We're going to get right into the Word this morning. It's good to be back again. Week two. Thank you, Jesus. We are concluding our series on the Beatitudes this morning. I have to say I'm a little sad. A little sad. It's been a, it's been a, uh, it's been a good study for me personally. Hopefully it's blessed you all as well, challenged you, um, but also encouraged you in a lot of ways. And today, as we end this grand finale on the Beatitudes, I want to say this is a very uplifting, easy, fun, put your feet up, rest your head, because this is a light and fluffy Beatitude sermon this morning. Amen. As, we can, as Jesus concludes these Beatitudes, he ends with this one, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Read with me this verse. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yay, right? We're excited about this one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Yes, Jesus says that. For righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Such an uplifting verse, something that we just want to consider all the time as we wake up every morning and the alarm goes off. Woo, another day to be persecuted. Thank you, Jesus. Right? It's a message that's filled with ease and comfort and rainbows and unicorns where it's free to get into Disney World and there's never a line at Space Mountain, right? No, that's what we want, isn't it? Isn't that kind of, I mean, if we're honest, isn't that what we want when we sign up for this whole Jesus thing? God, I'm turning my life over to you because you are my savior and you saved me. And thank you that life from here on out is going to be easy. I mean, that's, that's not what we say, but that's, that's a lot of times that's our expectation. But here's what we need to know and we need to understand. Jesus saved us from hell, but he promised us trouble on earth. Okay, he did. John 16, says, for in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. All right. And when he says this, he's, we, we need to know why he's saying it, first of all. Jesus tells us that there's going to be trouble, not because, not because he's a vindictive, judgmental, mean God who sits on the throne and punishes us for our sins. That's not why he's saying that, because that's not who he is. He's a God of grace and mercy who is quick to forgive and loves us unconditionally, no matter how much we mess up. So why does he say this then? And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus ain't no dummy is why. Because when you fill the earth and the world with a whole bunch of sinners who interact and who are selfish at our core and who make mistakes all the time, the result of that is trouble. So when he says, you will find trouble, he's saying, because I know y'all. You're going to create a mess for one another. That's why I'm here. All right. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And if we're really looking at this verse, What Jesus is doing is he's making a very clear distinction here. A very clear distinction that goes right to this last beatitude about persecution. He's saying, in the world, you will have trouble. So there's the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we have the world and we have Jesus. There it is. The two options. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. And that is what Jesus is saying in this last beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the ending right now. What Jesus is talking about 
when he's talking about those who are persecuted, it's those that choose Jesus over the world. Those that choose Jesus over the world. And because here, and I, want to, I want to pause real quick before we go any further. I'm already jumping ahead because I'm excited about this sermon this morning. It says because of righteousness, okay? Because of righteousness, those who are persecuted. Not blessed are those who are persecuted for your own sake or for your own doing or for your name. Because for righteousness means for Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for Jesus. And this again goes back to last week and I feel like this whole entire series. It's about Jesus, not ourselves. Not blessed are you for your sake and for the thing that you stand for and for your own name and for your own brand. But blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for Jesus. One thing that I found pretty comical in my time in ministry, the short time that I have been in it, is how we can confuse persecution let me say warfare, with our own stupidity, all right? Like if I put my hand on this podium and I take a hammer and I just bash my hand with it, oh, the persecution over my hand, the warfare over my hand. So painful for you, Jesus. No, that's my own stupidity taking the hammer and hitting my hand with it. But a lot of times we call our own mess-ups and working in our own flesh warfare and persecution, when it's not that at all. It's our own doing and the results of our own doing. Jesus makes it very clear here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name, for my sake, for righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so here we have this, these two choices, the world and Jesus. Those who are persecuted choose Jesus over the world. And you know how we choose Jesus in this world? Through love. Through love. Because the only real love, the only real love is Jesus' love. Listen, I love my wife and I love my daughters like crazy. I mean, with every fiber of my being, I love them. But my love will only take them so far. It's Jesus' love that saves them and it's Jesus' love that gets them into heaven. And so every other love in this world falls short of Jesus's love. And you know, it's interesting. It wasn't hate that put Jesus on the cross. It was his love for all of us that put him on the cross. Love caused him to be persecuted. And love is going to cause us to be persecuted because when we choose Jesus and we choose his love, we are going counter to what the world says. And let me tell you something, the enemy is not shaken when we choose hate because that's how he operates. But when we choose love and we, we introduce, introduce people to Jesus, we are kicking the hornet's nest because that is what threatens the enemy. That is what is counter to the world. And so when we are persecuted, it is when we are loving other people. That's it. And I will say right now, I don't think I need to expound on it too much. The world needs us to love big time right now. The world needs us to love big time. Matthew 10, 34 says this. These are, this is an interesting verse. Do not suppose that I have come, this is Jesus talking, 
to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, that's interesting because last week we did an entire sermon on being a peacemaker. That's all we talked about, how we're supposed to be peacemakers. And here Jesus says, no, 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 I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Well, that verse in and of itself can be a little confusing, but if we look at the context of what he's talking about here, he's talking to the disciples and he's telling them, when you go out and you start sharing the gospel, translation, when you start sharing my love to this world, it ain't going to be this little circle of kumbaya. We're going to be kicking the hornet's nest here. And it's not going to be peaceful, but that's okay. I came with a sword. And the sword that Jesus is talking about here is truth. He came to bring truth into darkness. He came to bring truth to the church. He came to bring truth to the Gentiles and every people, race, nation, and nationality in the entire world. He came to bring truth, and he knew that doing so was going to be like bringing a sword because it divides, and it cuts through all the minutiae and the junk. That's what the truth does. It does not bend. It does not waver. It is the truth. And here's the thing. Charles Swindoll says this about the truth. It's rarely popular, and it offends the majority. That's what truth does. So when Jesus is sitting here saying to these disciples, look, this is real. This is what's going to happen. You're about to be persecuted for my righteousness. It's because the truth is not always received well. Why? Because the truth holds us accountable. The truth shines a light on our ineptitude to save ourselves. But it also points us to Jesus. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me, not a truth. He's not an option of truth. He's absolute truth. And this absolute truth is I love you and I died for you and I was raised again for you and I will change your life and I will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west and there's nothing that you could ever do that will separate my love from you. And the world does not want you to hear that. The world does, we, the world does not want us to profess that to people. And so because of that, the world will try and stop us and will persecute us for sending that message out. But Jesus says, you're blessed when you do that. Yours is the kingdom of heaven when you do that. Because what you're doing is you're pointing people to me because everything else falls short. Even our own love falls short. Jesus even doubles down on this. I'm going to go out of the Beatitudes for a second, but as he continues, verse 10 is the Beatitude. Verse 11, he says this. Read with me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. There it is again. Not of your own doing, but because of me. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great is your reward in heaven. I love that last part, though. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a part of me that when I get to heaven, I want to be able to, like, swap stories with the prophets. You know what I mean? You know how you see in like movies or whatever, if you have, you have battle scars, you go, oh, check this one out. I did this. 
Everyone's comparing scars. Like, I, I hope I get that opportunity when I'm in heaven to sit down with the prophets and the saints and go, yeah, here, check out my stories. Here's what happened to me because I was persecuted for Jesus. I hope that I get that opportunity. I don't want to get to heaven and not have any, any war stories to tell. But what we read here, what, what Jesus is saying is we get to join a whole line of people before us and who are going to come after us, who are persecuted in the same way. And honestly, I think that's really cool. I think that's pretty awesome. But we have to take that stand. We have to choose Jesus over the world. Great is your reward in heaven. We can't lose sight of that. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No treasure on earth. Nothing. Shad Khan's yacht does not compare to the treasures in heaven that are waiting for us. We need to consider that because it can be hard. It can be really hard at times to choose Jesus over the world because the world a lot of times can look shiny and new and have the new car smell and all that stuff. And you can, you can compare your life to someone else's and get off track real quick. And we can start wanting to choose the world. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Great is your reward in heaven. It's in heaven where you have your reward. And here's what we need to understand. Life is short. Eternity is long. All right, it's, it's, it's really that simple. Life is really short. Eternity is long. We, a lot of times, approach it the other way around. James 4.14 says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, I have a confession to make. Something that kind of got, kind of got skated over a little bit because of the pandemic. Uh, my birthday was during it, and I, I, I turned 40, all right? During the, no, no, that's, that, yeah, y'all are hooting and hollering. I'm like crying in the corner. <laughs> He's one of us now. Yes. I got old real quick. I mean, we had our graduation for our, our seniors on Friday, and our commencement speaker, Dr. Messonese, said, you know, he made the point, look, you were in first grade like two hours ago, and now you're graduating. It's the same thing, you know? And I, I just, you know, as I'm 40, I'm looking back going, my goodness. I mean, my buddy Mike, who plays lead guitar for us, I can, I can think like this to back when we were on Lakeside Drive playing baseball. We were six years old. It feels like yesterday. It's crazy. And I just want to say for all those out there who have been so faithful to point out to me all the gray hair that's coming in, thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, I haven't looked in a mirror in like seven years. So I've been totally unaware that my gray hair is coming in. So praise God for your astute observations and your willingness to share that with me as I've turned 40 and getting older. Thank you, Jesus. It's coming in pretty good. Thank you. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. But man, we, it, it goes quick. It goes quick. My daughter's about to be eight. You know, I, I'm getting old fast, but my kids are getting old real fast. And I don't like that. I'll, I'll take 40 all day long. I don't want my kids getting older. That's, that's the tough one to swallow. 
But it happens quick. And so we have to ask, what are we doing with this life? What are we choosing with this life that is so short? It's like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone. What are we doing with it? Are we choosing the world? Are we choosing Jesus? Do we think life here on earth is long and eternity is short? Or is this life short and eternity is long? Do we want treasures on earth or do we want a reward in heaven? Choosing Jesus means choosing love and it means pointing people to Jesus. And a lot of times that means laying, sometimes just the persecution is laying ourselves aside. It's not even attack a lot of times. It's just getting out of the way and pointing people to Jesus and church, family, We've got to point people to Jesus. This world is broken. It is broken and it is hurting and it's crying out for Jesus. Are we going to point the world to Jesus? Or are we going to choose the world? This can be a... I mean, I, I was preparing this and I was going, God, this is, this is a tough call. This is big. And... All I kept thinking about is how many times I've fallen short. I mean, my life growing up, I, I chose the world way more than I chose Jesus. And I think in high school, my reputation was not someone that loved Jesus. It was just someone that didn't go to parties. But did people know I went to church every Sunday and played in the band here when I was in high school? Not really. Hardly any, if, if at all. I just covered that up. And, I, and if, we, if we look at this challenge that Jesus puts before us, we can get really discouraged because it's hard. But what we need to understand is Jesus doesn't give us one shot. We are building a foundation in him every day, building that relationship with him every day that will get us to the point where we just now, here I am, I'm on stage and I'm screaming Jesus to people. I'm not the same that I was in high school. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Except my hair, I'm going to go back to that. <laughs> but we're not, I'm not the same person. And Jesus didn't say, well, you screwed up then, so you can't have it now. He was patient with me. And he's patient with all of us. There's no better example, in my opinion, than what we read in Luke chapter 22. It's a story of Peter, and it's the night of Jesus' arrest. Read with me, in, starting in verse 54 of Luke 22. It says, Then seizing him, talking about Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, Peter said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. 
In the moment where Jesus needed a friend the most, as he's being arrested, Peter chose the world. He said, no, I don't, I don't know that guy. I'm going to choose the world because it feels safer. And I don't, I'm scared of the persecution that might come on me if I choose Jesus. And Jesus, in that moment, he could have said, that's it, Peter. Three years I was with you. You walked on water. You saw all the miracles. And you still choose the world? I needed you. In my greatest moment of distress, I needed you. And you chose the world over me. But Jesus didn't do that. He was patient with Peter. And he knew that he was building something in him. And if we fast forward in scripture to Acts chapter 2, we see what Jesus does through Peter. Starting in verse 38, it says, Peter replied, he's, he's preaching in this moment. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Same guy, same guy. The same one who in, in Jesus' greatest moment of need said, I don't know him. On Pentecost Sunday, said, repent and turn from the world and turn to Jesus. And he preached this powerful message, not in fear, but in front of any and everyone who would see. He proclaimed the name of Jesus and 3,000 were saved. Jesus didn't hold it against him what happened on the night of his arrest. See, I can't use you anymore. But he worked in Peter and he sent the Holy Spirit on him to the point where Peter was saying, repent and turn away from the world and choose, choose me, my savior, choose Jesus, just like I have. And he was willing to be persecuted. But you know what's interesting about these two stories? It's when Peter chooses the world where he weeps bitterly. You notice that? When he chooses the world, he leaves and he weeps and he's, and he's full of sorrow. But when he chooses Jesus and risks the persecution, that's where he stands confident. That's where he stands without any fear because he knows that Jesus has overcome the world. And that's what we need to remember. When we're facing persecution, he's conquered it all. He has conquered it all. He's overcome the world. The world needs us. And as I've been watching the, the news lately and just trying to figure out what we're being called to do, I got put on my heart tomorrow. I know it's, it's, it's no notice at all, but tomorrow we are going to have a day of prayer and fasting for our world. And we're gonna choose Jesus in this time. We're gonna pray for healing over our country. We're gonna pray that hate and racism 
would end in Jesus' name. And we're gonna pray that God would reveal to the church and equip us and how we can choose to love and how, what that looks like for us. We'll pray for our leaders. This is not a political fast. This is a Jesus fast because only Jesus can heal us. And the world needs Jesus. So tomorrow, I encourage you, I, I plead with you to pray and fast. We'll open up our sanctuary at noon for an hour to pray in here if you want to join us from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. As we pray for Jesus' love to come in to this broken world that we have right now and to heal us. We're one body. We're one, we're one people. We're all the children of God. And heaven is gonna look totally different than I think any of us imagine with all sorts of people in it. And it's gonna be wild and it's gonna be awesome. But prayer is our greatest weapon. I get annoyed and I even find myself every once in a while saying it when all I can do is pray. That's all we can do. What do you mean that's all we can do? That's everything we can do. That's our greatest weapon. So we're going to stand up and we're going to close in worship this morning. But I want to pray over you, especially for those this morning that have been choosing the world and everything that it offers instead of choosing Jesus. And I'm not just talking about those that, that have been walking with Jesus, but especially if you've never chosen him. If you've never chosen Jesus in your life and you've been trying relationships and money and drugs and alcohol and pornography and whatever it might look like, and it's not working. It's because the only love that heals and that truly accepts us for who we are is Jesus. It's his love that put him on the cross for us. And it's his love that raised him from the dead. And it's his love that allows us eternity with him, where there's gonna be all sorts of treasures awaiting us, where there's no sickness, no disease, no guilt, no condemnation. He came for us came for us. So why don't we bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And I just want to just leave a moment. I just want to leave a moment while Cindy plays. If that's you this morning, you never received Jesus. I just want to give you an opportunity right where you're at to just ask him into your heart. It's that simple. Say, Jesus, I choose you. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me. I need you. That's all it, that's all it takes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. God, forgive us when we've chosen the world over you. God, also forgive us when we've let those mistakes linger way too long, when you've already moved on and you want to use us, God. Forgive us for, for not letting go of our own mistakes. Help us to do that, Father, as you forgive us Help us to let those things go and look forward and not backwards. God, help us right now to choose you and to spread your love, your healing love, your powerful love, your forgiving love, your gracious love to this world that needs it. God, today we pray for our country. We pray for this world that is broken that needs you, Lord. Help the church, Father. Help the church, God, that we are a part of 
now more than ever to proclaim the name of Jesus and to do so, Father, without fear, to be able to stand up and say, it's Jesus that is going to heal. Father, we repent. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on this country, on our leaders, God. And heal us, Father. God, help us, Jesus, to love our neighbors. Help us, Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are patient with us. And you're going to see us through, Father. God, I just pray for anyone in here that's walking through a hard time, financial, marital, worried about their children, health, Father, whatever it might be, God, you know. If they're coming in here with, with a burden, a heavy burden, God, of worry and fear and doubt, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would come into those situations, Father, and you would be Lord over them, that, that as, as we sang earlier, you're conquered at all. You've conquered those situations as well. And God, help them to choose you, to focus on you and not over fear. In Jesus' name, be God in those, in those situations, Father. Beautiful for situation are you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus.